Thank you, Marion. So, yeah, uh, as you already said, um, this presentation is the result of reflections that I've been carrying out since I'm here at uh, IMI. And it represents, in fact, the first step of an investigation on the relationship between uh, transnational mobility and religious spaces. And I'm, of course, very happy to be here and to have the opportunity also to share my ideas and would be very thankful about any comments and ideas in order to pursue and follow up my, my research. So, um, My talk is based on my PhD project and on first uh, interviews and exploration. And my PhD research does not deal explicitly with migration, but consisted of an ethnographic uh, study of a Sufi shrine that is located in the Moroccan city of Fez, that I connected to a religious order which plays an important role in West Africa. And the aim was to understand the impacts of the mobility of pilgrims on the shaping of this place and its surroundings, the production of transnational economic and social spaces, and the development of political relations between Morocco and West Africa. And based on this first research, I have been developing a new project that consists of analyzing placemaking processes of sub-Saharan migrants in the Moroccan urban space, focusing mainly on Christian spaces. And what I would like to do, to do today is to share this, my first reflections and um, while combining the case of the Sufi shrine in the city of Fez with the Christian church in Rabat. So as I already mentioned, my attempt is to understand the recent transformation of the migration patterns in Morocco while analyzing the religious places used, shaped and produced by sub-Saharan Africans on the move. And I will first give a brief introduction on the migration context that I'm talking about. In a second step, I will discuss what I mean by religious places in this context and to what extent it can help us grasp some transformation that are taking place. I will then introduce the two different types of religious spaces that are shaped by sub-Saharan mobility, the shrine and the church, and finally discuss the research question I'm planning to explore during the next years. Um, Morocco, when I was in Morocco the last October, I attended a conference on Moroccan's foreign policy towards Africa. And one of the presentations was about the sub-Saharan migra migration and the, migra and the migration scholar who had been invited to give uh, the talk developed the idea that Morocco is not a transit country anymore, but has become an immigration country. And the criteria he put forward to explain his statement was that the sub-Saharan migrants who arrive nowadays to Morocco stay much longer than before, and for that reason, they have to be integrated by the Moroccan society. And this statement was accepted by everyone in the audience, uh, who was mainly composed by Moroccan intellectuals and political activists. And this thought echoes perfectly the new trends in Moroccan society that is becoming more aware of its role as a host society, an awareness that has been increasing since late 2013 when the Moroccan king proclaimed that Morocco has become a host country for immigrants. And in his speech, he also uh, ordered the government to set up a global migration policy. And one of the consequences was a large operation of regularization of migrants in 2014. Although Morocco has also become a destination for migrants from other countries, 
uh, example, Europe, also Syrian refugees, the migration debate in Morocco is mainly centered on the sub-Saharan migration and the so-called transit migration towards Europe. And due to the reinforcement of border controls by European state, Morocco has gradually become a buffer zone where a growing number of migrants from West and Central Africa, whose initial aim is to reach Europe, are blocked and have to rethink their migration projects. And since that time, especially around the year 2005, sub-Saharan migration has also become an important research topic. It's very difficult to say how many sub-Saharan migrants are in Morocco, but they represent a comparatively small group. In mid-2000, they were estimated several tens of thousands in Moroccan cities. During the operation of regular, uh, regularization of 2014, 27,000 foreign citizens asked for residency status and 16,000 received it. And however, in this group, the second group of the beneficiaries are the Syrian refugees who represent 18%. Researchers have also shown that sub-Saharan migrants were able to integrate in particular professional niches and develop their own small businesses in Morocco. And migrants were also able, supported by local civil society and alter globalization movement, to mobilize in order to claim for more rights. At the same time, even if there are signs of a professional insertion and a political incorporation from below, mobility is still one of the main features of the sub-Saharan migration in Morocco, and reaching Europe is still a very important aim, and even those who found permanent jobs in Morocco continue to be very mobile within the country. So, that would suggest that instead of analyzing Morocco as a country that was previously a space of transit and has become a space of immigration, we should rather look at the connections and the overlapping of long-term settlements and circulation. And this hypothesis draws on the large criteria a large critique in academia of the use of the term transit in public discourses, a term that rather reinforces the notion that migratory movements have fixed starting and end points. And this term does not take into account the diversity of motivations, the changeability and the effects of the mobility of the space, on the space. Furthermore, the moment spent in Morocco has been described as a moment of in-between, of transition, these terms may imply that migrants who are living in Morocco are in an exceptional and unusual state, a moment of liminality, and that they will, once they were stable to leave the were able to leave the country for their real destination, return to a more stable and normal state. What I would like to argue is that not only is the transit space shaped by migrants on the move, but that these spaces and particular local sites may be integrated in the imagined world and territories of these people. Religion is, I think, one of the fields in which we can observe what impact mobility can have on local places and how these places may receive a meaning and value for people on the move. At the same time, and in order to avoid a Eurocentric perspective, that means the idea that the presence of sub-Saharan migration in Morocco is only the result of the aspiration to reach Europe, we should look at other forms of sub-Saharan mobility in Morocco as student mobility, pilgrimage, and circular trade. So one way to analyze the connection between religion and migration or the role of religion in transnational connection is to look at the production of religious spaces. And I draw here on the first theory 
of social production of space that implies a dialectic relationship between the physical space, the representation of space, and spaces of representation. And the religious sites, mosques, churches, can then be conceived as a dynamic entity that is not only embedded locally, but also the product of wider contacts and global forces in the sense of the geographical beyond, the world beyond the place itself. Secondly, it enables us to understand to what extent the so-called transit space may have a meaning for people on the move who both identify with it and make it their own, contributing and giving new meanings and values to it. The first uh, space, place that I would like to um, introduce is a Sufi shrine in the city of Fez, linked to one of the most prominent Sufi order, the Tijaniya. The founder settled in Fez in the late 18th century. Uh, he founded this, uh, this Zawiya, from which the Tijaniya teachings spread to, uh, throughout West Africa. And after he, wa he died, he was buried in the center of his Zawiya. Uh, this place has become an important center of pilgrimage for his adepts, and particularly uh, for the synagogue. And this pilgrimage has largely contributed to the development of informal trade activities of Senegalese since the religious image uh, of Morocco as a pilgrimage place has given more freedom to women who wanted to engage in trade activities between Morocco and Senegal and it has also facilitated an ex the, ex uh, the settlement and the acceptance of Senegalese traders in the old town. But besides the very common combination of pilgrimage and trade, the very presence of the Tijani shrine in Morocco may also play a role in the journey of sub-Saharan Africans heading towards Europe. What also motivated me to come to Fez was that I'm a old Muslim and I'm a Sufi. And since all Senegalese Tijanis dream of visiting the Zawiya in Fez, I thought that given that I was still in Morocco, not knowing until when I would stay, I had, take, I had to take advantage of this opportunity and go to Fez. Spiritually, it gives me more strength to be here. This was the statement of a 20 years old Senegalese migrant who had not initially planned to settle in Fez or Morocco. He traveled to Morocco by bus and spent six months in Marrakesh, then went to Casablanca, where he found a permanent job in a call center. Besides his job, he decided to proceed with his journey, moving to Fez for religious reasons. In a similar way, a female adept from Dakar explained her settlement in Fez. She settled in Fez after getting married to the Senegalese migrant in Italy. For her, Fez was on the one hand a city that was closer to Italy and where her husband could visit her frequently, but her stay in Fez was also completely dedicated to the sand. She was hosted by local families living in the surroundings of the shrine and spent practically all the day praying in the Zawiya, conceiving her stay in Morocco as a spiritual retreat. After she was able to join her husband in Italy, she maintained the religious link with Fez and until now she has been visiting the Zawiya and the local families regularly. That means that besides giving a meaning to the stay in Morocco, the stay in Fez contributes also um, to building a relationship with Morocco that can last even when the migrant uh, has left the country and it, it reassesses therefore the value of the moment spent in Morocco that represents more than just a moment of waiting. But Fez has also become a place of residence for citizens for sub-Saharan Africa and is mainly due to a geographical position that we can see here middle that is uh, because it's um, um, very f not far from the Spanish enclaves Melilla and Ceuta and 
Uh, it's also very close to Ujda, one of the, f uh, the first Moroccan city at the Algerian border um, that is one of the main entrance points for migrants transiting through Morocco. And Rupfez is also one of the main study places for sub-Saharan African studi students in Morocco. And the interviews conducted with sub-Saharans who have been living in Fez have shown that they mostly know this place and visited the sands, the sand, and the shrine represents a place where they are able to connect both in a symbolic and in a concrete way with their home while meeting other West Africans who come to Fez as pilgrims. It seems as they feel to belong to this place because of the mobility that it drains, and in addition to that, um, West Africans who originate from countries with an important Sufi community perceive also the visit to the Zawiya as a way to connect mentally with their homeland. This leads also to the appropriation of the sand who becomes their particular sand. However, the sense, the sense of belonging and the appropriation of the sand do not lead to an appropriation of the place and its use as a social institution by sub-Saharan migrants only a few got in touch in the Zawiya with people who then helped them, and very few were integrated in local social networks through their visit to the Zawiya. Furthermore, due to a strict discipline inside the shrine that is supervised by local descendants, the Zawiya does not represent a place where visitors can organize and lead ceremonies on their own, and this leads to the creation of other Tijani spaces where adepts can engage and participate more freely. And Senegalese students and migrants are regularly organizing Sufi rituals in private houses, but what is much more striking is the fact that during the last years, Senegalese students and migrants have founded Sufi religious associations called Dahira in order to consolidate the social links amongst, among Senegalese Sufis living in Morocco. And the existence of Tijaniya Dahira in Morocco, the heartland of the Tijaniya, mirrors a need by Senegalese migrants to produce their own religious space and this trend can be seen as a new step into more visibility and public presence of a Senegalese influenced Sufi culture in Moroccan urban space and needs to be investigated in more detail. Now I would like to move to the other side that I would like to introduce the Protestant Church of Rabat. Rabat represents one of the main cities for sub-Saharan African settlement mm -hmm. and the Christian church in Morocco were mainly built during the colonial period and had in a majority European followers. And when colonists left the country after independence, uh, churches started to retract and numerous chapels and churches were closed. However, since the 80s, with the increase of the student mobility, and later migration, the few churches that had remained in Moroccan cities were notably reactivated and transformed. The impact of sub-Saharan migration is especially visible in the Protestant Church of Rabat, and this church, initially founded by the French Evangelical Church, is nowadays visited by students and migrants from a large variety of Christian traditions and Pentecostal movements. And according to a survey, the Pentecostal influence has become particularly important and it led at first to the cooperation between the EEAM and the French Pentecostal Church that sent a French Pentecostal pastor to Marabat. 
Later, however, this influence led to conflicts and a split and the foundation of a neo-Pentecostal church in Rabat called Assemblée Chrétienne de Rabat in 2004. So besides uh, the evolution inside the EEIM, the religious Christian space of Rabat has also recently expand, been expanding geographically throughout the city and informal churches were created. And this map gives some insights of the Christian landscape of 2014. It's based on an investigation conducted by Bernard Coyot uh, that I completed with the churches that I visited in the same year. I'm sorry, it's in French, but they had the background was in French, so I preferred also to do the legend in French. Um, um, we see here the city center and the former colonial district that sounds the, the red and um, uh, one and the red uh, here at the center. The blue triangles represent the Catholic, the Catholic churches that are uh, founded during the colonial period, and the red one is the Protestant church that I showed before. And the gray uh, triangle here is the Assemblée Chrétienne de Rabat that has been founded in 2004. And it is in a district that, in fact, it's a between uh, working class districts and uh, here the districts that are where mostly uh, high class, um, the middle class lives, so rich the, people. What hmm? do the colors mean in the different areas? The yeah, the red ones are the rich, social, and uh, so and the yellow ones are, we'll come to the yellow ones. So now that are the triangles, so that is the colonial center that has been built during colonial time. These two also, there are the, 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 the triangles. And um, uh, now and now the dots, all the other dots represent kind of semi-private, I call them semi-private churches that have been founded since 2005 mainly by Congolese and Nigerian migrants. And we see that these spaces um, are also generally located in the working class districts. So that gives us an idea of the settlement forms of sub-Saharan migrants in the urban space of Rabat. And uh, yeah, that are in generally here, who settle especially here. And uh, okay, also in Saleh, that is a neighbor city, but it's in fact part of Rabat now. So, but these dots do not represent buildings or large spaces, but can also represent very small places. Here's, for instance, one of this. It's a space of worship that is very small and narrow. But what I think is interesting is to see that this small space is completely dedicated to the religious institution. And it's decorated, the walls of the room are draped with curtains in order to emphasize also its particularity. And so, but to give a better idea of these recent evolutions, I would like to draw on the life trajectory of one Congolese preacher with whom I conducted an interview last October. So, the apostle, also well known in his religious community by the name Isaac Power, arrived in Morocco for four years ago. He's initially from Kinshasa, where he was already an active preacher of an awakening church. And he told me that he had a large number of followers, not only in Kinshasa, but also uh, from the Congolese diaspora in Europe, who visited his sermons during their holidays in Congo and kept in touch with him via the web after returning to Europe. 
And one of his followers, a Congolese woman living in France, suggested him once that he should come to Europe where they were a spiritual need and where he can reach many people. And she convinced him to take the route via Morocco. He then took a flight from Brazzaville to Casablanca and settled in Rabat, where he met a Congolese preacher of the Church Light of God. When Isaac met this preacher, the latter was preparing his emigration to France in order to join his wife and offered Isaac's position. Since then, he works as a preacher for the Fangophone community and organizes seminars in cooperation with the two Nigerian preachers of the same religious community. And the Church Light of God was initially located in a popular district of Rabat, the same district where Isaac also lives. But however, with the increase of the number of adherents and the end of the lease, the church rented recently a larger space in Muhammadiyah, that's a city in the south of Rabat, and that is not far from Casablanca, the main economic town of the country. And this space became the main church for the light of God in Morocco, and the church kept furthermore small room for the Sunday service in Rabat, and is also active in Tangier in the north of Morocco. When we observe how this space that we see here in the pictures, we can't really see how big it is, has been set up, we can show that there are more financial means are involved, and that might represent also a certain permanence. And this involves also questionings about the distinction between private and public spaces and interrogates to what extent the production of these places that are not officially recognized by local authorities, but are however accepted, may inform us about the socialities that are taking place in the poorer neighborhoods of Moroccan cities. When I discussed with Isaac about the acceptance of the church by the neighborhood and the local authorities, he told me that his neighbors generally suggested them to be quiet. According to him, there have also been some raids of the police in the church, but the, the, he explained that the police officers were usually waiting until the end of the service before they intervened and expelled members from the church. So this example already shows that to what extent these religious churches participate in the production of urban space in Morocco and to a form of visibility and audibility of the sub-Saharan migration. And although the religious services take place in confined spaces that are now all visible from the outside, we can formulate the hypothesis that through the use of music and microphones during the sermons, this Christian space pass through the walls, they are spreading in the surroundings and in one way or the other impacting on the neighborhood. So, in his study of the diasporic religious communities in the UK, Chris Baker identifies three key elements or experiences of the religious institution by migrants. Belonging, becoming and participating. When we look at the Moroccan context, we see that the Zawiya functions as a place that forges a sense of becoming, since it may help migrants to transform the purpose of the stay in Morocco and help to redefine the statues. They were not irregular migrants who are stuck in Morocco, but became pilgrims who experienced a spiritual retreat. 
Second, the shrine itself is a space of belonging for sub-Saharan migrants, regardless of their religious affiliation. But in the same way, we can assume that the churches, official and non-official ones, fulfill similar functions among migrants in Rabat. But the third dimension, the participating, is I think the most interesting element, and the purpose of my new project is to focus on the participation of migrants' religious institutions in an extending radius beyond the communal and cultural boundaries, the participation in the production of Moroccan urban space. As I've already mentioned, the migrants tend to produce physical religious places like the church that fit better in the religious beliefs. Participation is also perceivable among the Christian institutions that were founded by migrants to support sub-Saharan migrants who do not always belong to their religious community. For example, Caritas Maroc, but also the Center for Assistance of the Evangelical Church. But besides the social participation, it would be interesting to see if the migrants' religious institution, these alternative spaces that I mentioned, are also participating in redefining the Moroccan religious sphere. Since religion is a central element of the political authority in Morocco and the Sunni Islam is by constitution the state religion, Moroccan law also condemns Shia Islam and combats Christian proselytism. Since the early 2000s, the official religious policy attempts also to strengthen the religious unity and to neutralize divergent Muslim religious movements. But in the framework of the so-called Arab Spring, the question of religious freedom has also been repeatedly raised in public and several movements and organizations are campaigning today in favor of more religious freedom. So in my new project, I would like to focus on the production of alternative religious spaces as for example, the Senegalese Tijaniya Dahira, this social association, or informal migrant church and their participation in the production of the urban while investigating the following question. To what extent do the religious pluralism and activism of sub-Saharan African nowadays take part in these debates and impact on them? The visible presence of migrants' religious institution may represent a challenge for the local religious identity. Besides the religious diversity that it introduced, Sub-Saharan Africans may have other understandings of the relationship between religion, society and politics that challenges the Moroccan religious public sphere. For example, the crucial political role played by the Suvi orders in Senegal that represent important actors of civil society and or the concept of a secular state on which most of the constitutions of sub-Saharan states are based and that contrast totally with the Moroccan ones. Second, an investigation of the religious institutions may enable us to better understand the relationship between mobility and placemaking in Morocco. As I mentioned earlier, the religious personnel of the Awakening Church changed constantly Isaac replaced a preacher who was able to leave Morocco for France. Isaac himself is planning to emigrate to Canada, where his fiancée, who holds the Canadian citizenship, lives. However, in the meantime, he's very engaged in his church. Last October, when I met him, his main aim was, for example, to find a way how to found an association for the Congolese Church of Morocco. His stay in Morocco is therefore much more than just a moment of waiting. It is a moment of participating in the permanent establishment and visibility of his church in Morocco. 
Further, the religious places in Morocco do not only attract sub-Saharan Africans from the south, but may also drive circulations between Europe and Morocco. Senegal's religious leaders and adepts and Pentecostal preachers from African diaspora in Europe come regularly to Morocco to visit their adepts or the church members. Furthermore, while showing me the different videos, videos of the, his services on YouTube, Isaac pointed to a female participant that, as he said, was able to immigrate to France, but who comes regularly to Rabat for visit. So the relationship between mobility and fixity is therefore the second research question that I would like to explore in more detail and analyze to what extent religious placemaking is a sign for processes of stability or rather a support for circulation and a consequence of the, perm or of the permanency of temporary migration that does not only link Morocco to Sub-Saharan Africa but also contribute to reverse circulations between the diaspora communities in Europe and Morocco. Thank you. <laughs>